Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Genesis chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read part of the creation story if you want to follow along. I'll be in the ESV. Of course, it'll also be on the screens behind me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, there's so much meat on that bone, we could just chew on that for a couple of weeks, but we will move on because you'll see why in a minute. The earth was without form, it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God said, he spoke, this is how God creates, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that that light was good. He separated the light from the darkness, so God called the light daytime, and he called the darkness night. It was evening It was morning the first day. God said, you know what? Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and then let it separate the water from the waters. He's he's creating, separating the heavens from the waters below. God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven or atmosphere, sky. And there was evening, there was morning, the second day. Verse 9, God said, let those waters under the heavens, let them all gather up into one place so that dry land would appear. So he's separating the wet from the dry, separating the waters from the land, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that he gathered together he called the sea. God said, man, that is good. I like the beach. Some of y'all like the mountains, but we all know that beaches are better. And for time, I won't go on, but this is God's creating by speaking, and he's creating, listen to me, by separating one thing from another. So on day one, God separates the light from the dark. He said that was good. Day two, God separates the water from the sky, creates the atmosphere. He said that's good. Day three, he separates the wet water from the dry land. He said, man, that's good. Day four, he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. Day five, he creates the animals. Day six, he creates man. Day seven, he rests. So God speaks and he creates. And he creates by separating one thing from another. So the revelation that I had this week is that God likes to separate things because when we separate something, it gives it a unique character, a unique nature. It has its own unique distinction. Why? Because it has been separated from something else. Remember that thought. We spoke about six weeks ago when I shared that message from Israel that God was looking at all of mankind And it was time to begin a plan of salvation. So he had to separate one guy so that eventually the plan of salvation would bring a savior, a Messiah for the whole world. So he picked a guy named Abraham. He said, this guy is going to be separate. 
from all the other humans on the world, I'm picking one guy because there's going to be a unique characteristic about Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob and his 12 boys, and they're going to create a nation called Israel. So God separated the Jewish people from all the other people in the world. He did that to bring Jesus, to bring Messiah. So the Jewish people, the separated people, they're in slavery in Egypt, and God raises up Moses as a deliverer, and he opens up the Red Sea and the whole plagues, and we know that story from the Passover. And they're in the desert, but you have to remember the people of Israel didn't know the God of Israel. So Moses is going up on top of the mountain, and he's having these conversations with God. He's getting these downloads, and he's coming down, and he's teaching the people about God. And God says, listen, if you're going to be my people, if you're going to be the, the, the people that I've separated from all the people on the, other, on the rest of the earth, there's some rules. There's some regulations that I'm going to give to you. So Moses is writing all this down, and it's like, it's a lot of rules. Like, God cares about what you plant. He cares about the clothes you wear. He cares about what you eat. He cares about what you don't eat. I mean, it's like a lot of rules. But then in the middle of all this in Deuteronomy, God reminds them why there's so many rules. Deuteronomy chapter 14, he says, I want to remind you all, you are a people that are holy to the Lord. The Lord has chosen you to be a people. Why? Because you're his treasured possession out of all the peoples on the earth. Now, there's a phrase that's being missed there. Just leave that verse up for a minute, Hannah. There's a phrase that's being missed there because 4,000 years later, this verse was translated into English, a people, quote-unquote, holy to the Lord. He's talking to the Jewish people, and he's like, listen, I know I'm giving you a lot of rules, but you are my people, my treasured possession. You are holy to the Lord. That word holy means set apart. It means you're different than all the other nations. It means that of all the people on earth, you are, I've chosen you. You are my treasured possession. Holy to the Lord means separated for the Lord. Which then reminds me, you know, the chosen people line reminds me of Fiddler on the Roof. If you don't know the story of Fiddler on the Roof, then you're probably a millennial and uncultured, so let me help you. You should go to the theater and read a book once in a while. Um, just that's just was that too much? Okay, that was too much. Sorry. Now I, w- I was about to give a survey of anybody under twenty-five that's seen Fiddler on the Roof, and I would have been proved right. But my point, no, because I'll be right, and then uh, Josie will feel bad in the car later. Um, <laughs> that's never happened. Um, Okay, yeah, no, I totally agree. I need to move on. So Fiddler on the Roof is this story about a Russian family uh, that were Jewish in about 1905. And the, the, the story revolves around the dad. His name is Tevya. And he has this great relationship with God. And, and oftentimes in the story, um, Tevya will pray or he'll, he'll, he'll talk to God. He'll have these, these conversations with God because Tevya's family in Russia at that time as Jews were facing a life and death situation. So you have to remember the same demonic spirit that we're seeing in Hamas right now, that's the same demonic spirit that was in Hitler and Nazi Germany in the 30s and 40s, which was the same demonic spirit that was in the Russian czars in the 1900s at the turn of the century. They wanted to kill and destroy the Jewish people. So Tevya and his family are having all of these very difficult situations, and he's, he's with his, anyway, he stops and he goes, dear God. I know that we are the chosen people, 
But once in a while, couldn't you choose someone else? Because for 4,000 years, the, jo the Jews, yes, they're the chosen people, but they've gone through these horrific seasons. So in Deuteronomy, God is giving them all of these laws, and the laws are going to be hard to keep, but God's like, listen, I want to remind you the reason I'm asking you to plant your crops a certain way and wear your clothes a certain way and eat this and don't eat that is because I have chosen you. You are my treasured possession. The God of the universe, you are my treasured possession. And God's kids live by different rules. My, my, my kids, we raised our kids, you know, different. And sometimes they would ask to go out with friends or do this or go to that or to a concert. And I would say, listen, you can go, but I want to remind you, we're a Kerrigan and Kerrigans do things differently. So that was like, a, 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 I brainwashed my kids that Kerrigans do things differently. We don't do what other kids do. That's what God was doing. He was brainwashing his kids. You're my kids. You're going to do things differently. Because remember, God likes to separate things. He'll separate light from dark. He'll separate day from night. He'll separate land from sea. He'll separate animals from humans. The worst science is to call a human an animal. We're created in the image of God. Animals are not. This might sound crazy in this generation. He separates male from female. And when we remove the line that separates male from female, we lose the power of the uniqueness of what God created in each. For the Jewish people. He, he took one people group because he needed Jesus to come, and he said, this is a separate people. They're set apart. Even the land of Israel that's so being fought over and has been fought over for thousands of years, that land is a promised land, promised to whom? The Jewish people. God loves to separate things. The Bible, we read it already, records that the Lord created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So he said, there's going to be six days that are work days, but there's going to be one day a week, and that is your rest day. That day is separated. And even in the Ten Commandments, we like the Ten Commandments, right? Could have used a bigger woo on that. I'm going to give you one more shot. We like the Ten Commandments, right? How's your Sabbath going? Oh, is that when y'all mow the grass and go shopping and do the laundry? Because the Lord likes to separate things. And he says, y'all can do all the work for six days, but for one day, you need rest. The Sabbath is not for the Lord. The Sabbath is for you. It was created for you because the Lord knew you would rest and needed rest. So for 4,000 years, the Jewish people have honored God and honored the Sabbath at sunset on Friday until sunset on Saturday, the Jewish people rest, those that honor God. Now, there's secular Jews that go to music festivals and eat pork and don't care, but those that, the Jewish people that honor God, they rest. They, they do not work. They do not go anywhere. They spend 24 hours as a family resting before the Lord. And every Friday evening, the family gathers for like, it's like a Thanksgiving every Friday night. The whole family gathers, giant meal, huge celebration. Everybody gathers. And before you eat the meal, there's many. I mean, it's like 30 minutes of prayer 
and worship and ceremony to separate the work week from the next 24 hours of rest. Because why? The seventh day was separated. At the end of the Sabbath, on Saturday evening, after the stars are in the sky and it's clearly the end of the Sabbath, that begins a new week. Sunday is the first day of the week. But they're not just going to go rushing into their week. They're going to gather the family together for a smaller ceremony, a smaller celebration called the Havdalah. So every Saturday evening, at the end of Sabbath, the family gathers together, usually in the kitchen, and they will pray the prayers of the Havdalah. The Havdalah, that, that word, by the way, Havdalah in Hebrew, separate, separated. There's four aspects to the Havdalah ceremony. And the first is this. Each aspect is, is meant to honor the Sabbath and then to welcome a new week. So the Havdalah draws a line between the previous week and the day of rest and the new coming. So these four elements for the Jewish people for thousands of years have been a part of every Saturday evening. Number one, there's always a cup of wine because wine in Scripture is always a symbol of joy. So they are joyfully remembering and celebrating the last 24 hours of rest. Number two, they pass around a little jar that's filled with sweet, pungent um, spices, like cinnamon and, and, and other things that have a very strong, sweet smell. And everybody smells the spices because what it's meant to do is linger in your palate, linger in your mouth to remember how good the separated day of rest was. Number three, they light a candle that is many wicks, many different candles woven together into one candle, and it's a symbol that the family came together from all of their various school and chores and work, but they came together for one day and they rested together. And then the fourth thing is they extinguish the multi-wick candle into the wine because that is the end of the day of rest. It's the end of the separated time. And then they pray the final prayer of the Havdalah. But I, in Hebrew, I, and my Hebrew is not good enough to do it for you, and I know the first part, but I get lost in the second part, so I just took the English translation. But it is so powerful. For thousands of years, the Jews have been ending the Sabbath by praying this prayer. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, because you distinguish between the holy and the unholy. You distinguish between light, they put the candle out, and dark. You distinguish between Israel and the nations or the Gentiles. You distinguish between the seventh day as a day of rest and the six days of work. Praise to you, Lord our God, because you distinguish between the common and the uncommon. If this mic wasn't $1,400, I would have dropped it. <laughs> Big churches can do that. We're going to hold on to the mic. God, we praise you because you separate things. We praise you because you taught us to honor what is holy and to understand what is unholy. We praise you because you teach us that six days, they're for work, but one day, one day is for rest. God, we praise you because you have taught us to know the difference between the common things 
and the uncommon things. So we should thank God in our prayers that, that there is a difference. There has been something that has been set apart because the very word holy in Scripture means set apart. It means uncommon. The word holy in Scripture means this thing is uncommon. Because God likes to separate things. Because God likes rules. God likes division. God likes when things are separated because that's where their unique character is, is in the separation. So one of the biggest lies that we have seen in our generation is that everything is the same and things can change from one thing to another and nothing has anything that's sacred and nothing that has anything of uniqueness and nothing that has anything of value or we're going to interpret what something feels to me. When I travel up Pikes Peak, which is the high peak in Colorado, and you drive that road, I like the guardrails. Because when I'm driving up, even at 25, 30 miles an hour, and it drops down 8,000 feet, I like the guardrail. It makes me feel safe. I like that God is in charge. I like that God is creator. I like that God has separated things. I like that God gives me things to keep my life on his path. It makes my life easier to know that he separates things and that I humble myself and I serve him and I serve his ways. My life doesn't have fear and stress and anxiety because I'm living according to his word. And he has given me these boundaries to live by and he separated things. And I'm like, God, thank you. I honor you. And remember, when God speaks, he creates. So in creating, he's separating one thing from another. You that are a part of the church, you that have repented of your sin and you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, God spoke over you and you were separated from the world. You went from being an orphan to becoming a child of the Most High God. You went from being a sinner to becoming a saint. Peter put it this way, 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, church family, you need to know you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You uncommon church are a people for God's own possession so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. There's this one verse we could preach on for an hour. There's so much to unpack here. I remind you that, that this was written by a Jew. And the greatest honor in Israel was to be a priest. And he's saying, listen, you that follow Jesus, Jew or Gentile, welcome. Because you are royal priests in the service of our God. See, that word priest, I know it loses a lot of the weight and the impact because of all the priests in the Catholic Church and the Methodist Church and the Lutheran Church, and we don't have the same value for it. But to, for Peter to invite all Jesus followers to becoming priests, and then he doubles down and says, no, nah, fam, you are royal priests. You are kings and priests. You are holy. You are set apart. You're a new, a brand new thing that God is creating, and it is a royal priesthood. You're God's special possession, and you're like, hold up, wait a minute. Didn't he refer to the Jewish people back in Deuteronomy chapter 14 as God's special possession? He uses the same phrase to describe you as a Jesus follower. Would have dropped another mic if I could afford to. You're going to pay for a $1,400 microphone? Drop a fake mic? There's no power in dropping a fake mic. The, the power of dropping a mic is that you can afford to do it. 
Did you notice that he says, you, is that verse still behind me? Please put that verse back up. You have been called out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So many people were living in darkness, but he, the Lord says, hey, listen, I love you so much. I need you to come out of that darkness and come into the light. Why? Because you are holy. You're a priesthood. No, fam, you're a royal priesthood, and I'm calling you into the light. I'm calling you to leave the common things and come and live uncommon. I'm calling you to, into separated life because God says, I love things that are separated, and you should keep them separated. <laughs> Got to be over 40 to get that joke, but not over 50, just a very small window for that joke. And you got the joke? Common people. I didn't know that that song, uh, never mind. I almost went down a rabbit trail. You should live your life uncommon and be, and be glad doing it. Your home should be uncommon. Your Spotify playlist should be uncommon. Your Netflix should be uncommon. Your, everything on your social media should be uncommon. It shouldn't be like the world. It should be uncommon because you've been set apart. You've been set apart to be holy. Your children you're raising should be uncommon. Your finances should be uncommon. The words that come out of your mouth should be uncommon. This Christmas should be uncommon. When your family comes around, something like something's different. Yeah, I'm not getting drunk on eggnog and rum because something is uncommon in my life right now. Your entire life should be uncommon, set apart. Why? Because Jesus loved you so much that he died for you to call you out of darkness, to call you into the light. Why? Because you have been set apart. You're different. You shouldn't look like the rest of the world. It's okay to be uncommon. First John. Now, those of you that have heard me talk about John before, I didn't know this until just five or ten years ago when I was doing a study on, on John and First John. This was written when John was elderly, right before he died. And I don't know if you've been around a whole lot of people in their 80s and 90s, you know, right before they die. They say some stuff with no filter because they're like, you know what? I'm be gone soon. So I'm just going to say it like it needs to be said. So whenever you read anything in 1 John, just picture like a really old man writing this to you. And he says, listen here on Common Church. Don't love the world. Don't love nothing in the world. In fact, I love old, old people. If you love the world, the love of the Father is probably not in you. Old man is like, all that is in this world, all the desires of your flesh, all the desires of your eye, all the pride of your life is not from the Father. It comes from this world. And all the stuff in this world is passing away, and all those desires are going to pass away. But listen up, fam. If you do the will of God, you're going to abide forever. Here's the funny thing. I almost, because I knew this sermon would be long because I haven't preached in three weeks and every time I haven't preached in a long time, my sermons are long because I got to make up for lost time. So I, I highlighted and was going to cut this verse out and the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I don't want the sermon to be too long. I'm like, sorry, so, sorry, Lord. Just leave that verse up there for a little while. Old man John, he ain't got time for like being nice. I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Don't love the world. Here's the funny thing. But the older I get, the younger everybody else gets. Last week in the ER and on Monday and on Tuesday, every doctor I saw this week was younger than me. So I'm starting to get to that old man John age where I can just kind of say what I want to say. Not quite there. Almost. In ministry, I was always the young guy. I was the young missionary. I was the young youth pastor. 
But every room I've walked into in church lately, I'm the oldest man in the room. And so I feel like John. And I'm like, y'all need to stop loving the world. And he's like, and then John, he's like, in fact, if you do love the world, you're probably not saved. John gonna drop his own mic. All that stuff you're living for, Netflix, TikTok, all your stuff you love about celebrity culture that came to you from the devil. It did not come to you from God. And all of that stuff is passing away. The only thing that matters in this life is the kingdom of God manifesting your life. Jesus followers should live set apart. Jesus followers should be separated. Jesus followers should be uncommon. And notice this. Jesus followers, if you love God, should do the will of the Father. So that's old man John. Paul was having the same trouble with the church in Rome. Roman culture, I know it'd be hard for you to imagine Roman culture, you know, it was 2,000 years ago. They were very political. They were very sexual. They were very selfish. Now, I know it's really hard to imagine a culture that's political, sexual, and selfish. But Paul wrote a letter to the church people. And he says, y'all need to not be conformed to the world around you. And instead, I want you to be transformed. How are you going to do that? By renewing your mind. And we talked about for six weeks in September and October last year, you renew your mind in the Word of God. Most Christians' minds are not renewed because they don't know the Word of God because they don't read their Bible, but that's never here nor there. If you would renew your mind in the Word of God, you will discern the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is pleasing, what is perfect, what is set apart. So this letter was written to people that lived in a culture that's very similar to yours. And Paul was like, you guys, you got to stop being so infatuated with the world. Don't become like the world. I put the kingdom of God in you to change the world to become more like you, not that you would become more like them. And notice the battle starts in our mind and what we're putting into our mind. So take your thoughts captive. Think uncommon, think holy, think on the things of God, think on the word of God, study the scriptures, and you can't study what you do not read. So John and Paul were basically telling the church, the Jesus followers, he said, I need you to be uncommon. I need you to understand that God created a difference between day and light and land and sea and men and women and work days and rest days and common things and uncommon things and holy things and unholy things, and you have been called Holy, set apart. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to wrap up with this. Think about two horses or, or two oxen that are one piece of wood that's holding them together. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Belial is an ancient Aramaic word, which Hebrew word for the devil, or demons. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? In today's church, way too much. What agreement is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols? We are the temple of the living God church, and God has said, I'm going to live with them. I'm going to walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. So therefore, come out and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and then I will receive you. Hop up on your feet.
He's saying, church, I need you to, to come out of the darkness and into the light. I need you to stop touching the unholy things and touch the holy things. Be uncommon. Be separate. And Paul, is, he's pointing these Jewish, I'm sorry, these Gentile believers, he's pointing them back to Jerusalem, to the Jewish temple. And he says, listen, I want you to imagine this building in Jerusalem where the presence of a holy God is, but I want you to become a holy, living temple. You carry the presence of God into every Walmart and every school and every work meeting. And you, you, ca- you, you, you carry the presence of God with you. you. You're like the temple in Jerusalem, but with legs. So don't mix light and dark. Don't marry unbelievers. Don't date unbelievers. Don't be entertained by unbelievers. Don't be in business with unbelievers. Don't touch unbeliever things, watch unbeliever things, listen to unbeliever things. Don't celebrate the common things. Verse 14, we don't have anything in common with the devil's things, so we should live uncommon. So come out and be separate. Touch no unclean thing. Be uncommon. Here's the funny thing. The church in history has been like, yes, we need to be uncommon. We need to be holy. We need to be separated. We need to hate those people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not what he said. What he said is that people that work for Ford don't drive a Chevy. People that work for Apple don't have an Android. People that say, my pleasure at God's Chick-fil-A don't eat Popeye's. He simply said, be separated. He didn't say hate nobody because it's the love of God that will lead people to repentance. So how do we live separated? How do we live uncommon? How do we be a part of God's separated people? We learn, like I, well, what we, it wasn't, I didn't mean to do it. I guess God did. Like what we did earlier in worship. We learn to worship uncommon. That it's not about lights and show and production. It's about me just sitting and resting in his presence, whether I do it on a Sunday morning or I do it on a Thursday night at home. The church shouldn't be the only time that you sing worship songs. The church shouldn't be the only time you serve God, and a lot of people don't even serve God at church. You should be serving God. You should be a temple with legs everywhere you go. We serve an uncommon God, so spend an uncommon amount of time with him. Let his word renew and transform your mind. You'll never be the same. Most Christians in America, like an hour and 10 minutes in church, Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, that's the only Jesus time they spend. And then they spend hundreds of hours entertained by the world. Old man John would be like, I don't even know if you saved. We just look as common as everybody else in the world. So let me be clear, let me repeat it again. Living uncommon, living separated does not mean there's any animosity, any fear, any judgment against people that don't believe like we do. Our job is to walk in humility. Our job is to walk in love. Our job is to walk in grace. We're not going to transform and call things that are unholy, holy, but we're also not going to call the people that don't believe like us evil. Jesus 
only was harsh with religious hypocrites. With unbelievers, Jesus was really gentle. So we should be like Jesus. We should spend time with Jesus. Spend time in the Word every day. Spend time with worship. Your life should be a lifestyle of worship. You get in the car, worship music. You're going for a jog, worship music. You're making dinner, worship music. Worship should be a lifestyle for you. All day, every day. Because if you really want the world to be saved, you need to get into the presence of God and pray for the world. And that happens through worship. Get involved in a you group when we kick them off in January. Get around other believers. Come to Wednesday night presence in prayer. Not this week or next week. In the future, come to Wednesday night presence in prayer. For those of you that let treat church as optional, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You, you don't treat your job as optional. You don't treat taking your kids to school as optional. Why do you treat church as optional? It's not optional to be in the presence of God, to be around believers, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. This is the, the temple of God. The, the, I mean, this is a building, but we come together as the church. And in the temple, in the, in the, in the fire of God was there. The presence of God was there. If somebody stayed home, they didn't experience the fire of God because the fire was in the tabernacle. Now, I know we're in a new covenant and we are the temple of God. I just read the verse. But it's, it, it's important when we gather together. It's important that we learn that there is power in his presence. When we learn to distinguish between the holy and the unholy, the common and the uncommon, we don't have to hide the power of God in our life. The, the Holy Spirit that rests in you is uncommon. So you're meant to pray for the sick. You're meant to prophesy over people. You're meant to use the power of God and not trying to hide it anymore. And you also have to know that the whole plan of the devil is to make the church confused about what God has separated. That's what the devil is always going to try to do. If God says, yeah, this is separated, this is holy, this is day, this is holy, this is good, this is man, this is woman, this is sex inside of marriage, that's sex outside of marriage, this is being sober, this is getting drunk, this is being sober, this is getting high, this is being honest, this is lying. God separates. But the devil is always going to be like, yeah, but let's just live in the gray. There's no gray area in the kingdom of God. The devil hates God's uncommon things. So the devil's going to hate you and hate the decisions you make. But I would encourage you to come out of the darkness and into the light. You're not fighting against people. You're fighting against this lie, this demonic stronghold that wants to make everything gray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that we would not harden our hearts and ignore your voice that's calling us out of the darkness and into the light. Lord, I thank you. We honor you. Like the Jewish people pray on Saturday nights, we honor you because you know and you have taught us the difference between what is holy and what is unholy, what is work and what is rest, what is common and what is uncommon. Lord, I pray that we would learn your ways. I thank you for the guardrails of life because it protects us and it gives us faith and it gives us confidence to know that we don't have to interpret things. We have to trust you and your word. So Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We thank you that you call us into a separated 
royal priesthood. And we say yes. We're not going to try to be hypocrites. We're not going to try to be lukewarm. We're not going to try to stay in the middle between the hot and the cold and the light and the darkness. We're going all in and we're saying yes to living in the light. We're saying yes to, to being committed, to being uncommon, to being holy, to being set apart. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're here this morning or you're watching on YouTube, if in your heart right now you would be honest with God, not with me, but you'd be honest with God and be like, dude, I have been living in darkness or some form of darkness. I have not fully surrendered my life to the Lord but I feel the Lord calling me into his light. I feel the Lord calling me into holiness. Man, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you that today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to repent of sin. Today is your day to say yes and to join that royal priesthood. It might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time because you've been running from God or you've been a hypocrite for a long time. God loves hypocrites. He's not ashamed of you. He's got his arms of love wide open to you, calling you out of the darkness into the light. I can lead you in a prayer, but I can't pray it for you. It's your prayer. It's between you and God. I can help you, though. If you're here this morning, or even if you're watching online, between you and God, if you need to get right with God, if you need to pray a prayer to repent of sin, to, to get out of darkness and into the light, it might be the first time, it might be the first time in a long time, but I want to help you this morning. If that's you, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand over there. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? Just shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand over there. Is there anybody else? Good. All right, YouTube, four or five people right away were like, dude, today is my day. I'm going all in. Right there between you and that screen, just raise your hand before God. And if you believe this in your heart, why don't we all pray this out loud? Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I die to my old life. I say yes to you. I answer the call to come out of darkness and into your light. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for calling me into the ministry. Help me, Lord, to live separated, to be a royal priest, to understand the difference between the holy and the unholy. Holy Spirit, soften my heart. Give me eyes to see ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would lead me. Thank you for your love. I love you, Lord. I bless you. I worship you. I live for you. I honor you. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, say amen if you believe it. I'm so proud of you. Whoa, man. I'm so proud of you. There were four or five people that raised their hand, plus YouTube. Man, I'm so proud of you for saying yes. And just, just you're putting your chips. In, I know none of you would ever play poker. But you're putting all your chips in the middle of the table. You're saying, I'm going all in on Jesus. Listen, I want our prayer team to come down to the front. If, there, if you need prayer because you gave your heart to Jesus, or maybe you need prayer because you, there's, you need healing in your body, or if you're watching on YouTube, we've got this Jesus wall over here. 
and we, we put the initials or the name of people that get right with the Lord. So if it was you or you're here in the room this morning, we want to pray for you. So text the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to 817-405-2244. That's going to send you a form. Please fill out that form because then we want to put your name on the Jesus wall. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you in your walk with God. If you were here this morning, man, we want to pray for you. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.